Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. And this week I've really been uh, just stuck on a message of God's love. And for me, that's something that is my, who I am and my DNA. You know, a long time ago, I went to a, uh, I went to a pastor's conference actually with uh, John Reason. And in one of those sessions, uh, the pastors there, they prayed for us. And I was quite a legalistic young man. Uh, I was very passionate for God, but with not a lot of insight. And in one of those sessions, God really spoke to me and he said, Andrew, like, you're going to speak about the love of God. And when you do, like, I'm going to be there. So just be ready this morning. Like, the Father is already here. Like, he is really close. Is that cool? So just ponder that while I assemble my stuff. Do I need to take my coat off? Is it too formal? Will I? I, I, I'm not a Jared Reason. I'm not going to be pacing, running side to side. Uh, I'm just going to be me. Is that all right? (laughs) Thanks, Jack. Hey, uh, uh, you know, this is a a great place to be. Like... um, uh, you're, really, you're really seeing like dreams kind of unfold before your eyes. You know, when I first became a Christian, I, uh, I, I listened to a lot of teachings. And from, you know, 15 years ago, this is, what, this is what I always wanted to do was to kind of, I had dreams of just speaking in front of many people. And so what you're seeing this morning is my first time preaching in a morning service. Like this is the, this is the big show. Yeah, this is the big show. So um, I'm just... I'm just so glad that I can enjoy it with you. This is a this is a great place to have dreams come true. All right, I'm almost there. Just encourage me, bear with me. Okay, so what I do have, um, oh, just in the worship, I just really felt a couple of things. Do you mind if I just share them with you? Um, yeah, look, I just is Sam here? Sam Nemo? Sam. Just, just as you're on stage, bro, like every time I see you, I see, you know, Finding Nemo. Like I see that movie. <laughs> I bet you get that all the time. But do you know, do you know, do you know, what, that, do you know what that movie's all about? It's about a father who lost his son, you know? And, and I feel like God say it's adventure time. And you're going to have so many adventures in your life, but it's all going to be about the father reaching out to his son. And that's you, bro. I feel like the father loves you so much. And not only that, like he, he sees something in you he sees a son, but also someone who is growing into a father, you know? And, that, and that's what you have to give out. So just be encouraged, bro, that God's love is on you and working through you in this season. Um, also, just want to say, where's Kathleen? Hey, Kathleen. Oh, it was such a, it was so special. Like we, we hung out on, on Sunday night and uh, it was just really cool to hear your story and your journey. And it's so amazing that... Uh, on Monday night, the night after, like God just came and touched your life and healed you. But I just remember sitting there across the table and uh, Kathleen does all the desserts for Alpha well, in the first part. It was so awesome. And as she was just speaking, like, it was like, you're not only there to serve us. I just, you just began to prophesy. You just began to speak into like just life. And it was so incredible. And God is just doing something really amazing in you. And you know, just to, continue to let that come out because like we need 
the God revelation that you have on the inside to come out and to encourage us. So keep going. Is that cool? And um, there's just one more. Is that all right? Just one more. I won't, I've got a lot to say. So gosh, I've got to get through this. <clears throat> uh, well, Josh and Annika, where are you? Oh, there you are. Hey, Josh, you know, you, you guys have so been so encouraging to me. You come to our home group and, and you just said, hey, Andy, like I'm looking forward to you preaching on Sunday. But I, you know what I, I just really saw in that moment? I saw, especially for you, Josh, um, like you've got such a big heart. And I really felt like God say, like, there's, there's that pastoral gifting on your life. Like he said that to me and he said like, you know, like I felt like there's going to be a season in your life when you, when you open up your arms and you begin to input into just many people. I especially saw young people. And I, and I don't know if that's necess- that may be part of your job as well, but also in part of the life of the church. I just saw you speaking encouragement, you know, to your kids, to those around you, just everywhere you go, that you have that heart of, you know, of that, that pastoral anointing. So bless you, bro. Hey, um, well, I'm Andrew. You probably gathered that by now. Um, you look, I've been part of this church for about five years, and uh, we've really enjoyed our time here. Uh, it's really just become our home, and I just couldn't see us doing life anywhere else. We've, I've been in other churches for a long time, but uh, God is doing something really special in this place. And uh, I've been asking Him like, what He really wants to say this morning, and I really felt like He just wants to begin to um, unveil his love, you know, this part of who I am, this part of what I do, it's revealing his love. And, and I also want to share a bit about my story, but I also want to, uh, there's three parts, my story, God is love, and the call to harmony, you know, and I really feel that the, the word harmony, this church has something really profound in its application that we're called to harmonize with what God is saying about us. Is that cool? Um, look, I there's a couple of things I just really want to share. Like uh, I'm doing, I do Alpha and I do the internship this year. And uh, at the end of last year, God really spoke to me and he said, hey, Andrew, like a lot of the times you're saying like, man, I'm really busy and I don't have time to do a lot of stuff. And I felt like God said, hey, I want you to make some time for me. And I, I really felt like uh, that was to be the internship. So I had a chat to Josh and I decided to do it this year. And what I thought it would be would be about me kind of uh, doing something for God. But really what happened was it was about what God was doing in me. And this year, like so many people have asked me, say, Andrew, like what has happened to you? And I'm kind of like, I don't, what? What do you mean? But I tell you what, when, when God starts to speak to you and, you and things begin to shift in your life, it begins to bear fruit and it comes out, you know? And there's, there's been a couple of moments where uh, that have been key shifts. And one of them was uh, when David Balestri came, he spoke to us as interns and uh, I'd just been, I'd been quite negative about my outlook on church life. And uh, I'd had conversations with Catherine and Gideon. And uh, it wasn't that great. And I just remember he came and spoke. And he spoke for an hour and a half about, and he, and he began to outline every single conversation I'd had for the last two weeks. And, you know, when God starts to do that, you're going, okay, God, like, I'm listening. What do you have to say to me? And he, he just be, he said one phrase that kind of shifted me in a big way. And he said, Andrew, like you will always have to serve God through the flesh of imperfect people. Like that seems maybe easy, but it's the last part that's the hardest through people who aren't perfect. You know, I was happy to serve God with people who were just like me. Like that's what I was looking for. I wanted somebody who I could serve who was going to kind of like be me. 
But God's saying, hey, like, you know, like what you need to do is you need to turn your love on, you know. You need to actively activate that thing and serve them. And so um, what I did, <laughs> uh, I went to Catherine and Gideon and said, hey, look, I'm really sorry for just, just the way I've been kind of really negative. And what I want to do is I want to shift that. I want to, I want to be a real encouragement to you guys. And so uh, they were so good to me. They continued to love me in that, in that place where I was kind of negative. And what I said was, oh, I'm going to support you. You guys are doing the prophetic. I love the prophetic too. Why don't, why don't I just be here every Sunday? I'm going to sit in the front row and I, I'm going to do, like if you want me to speak or, or encourage someone, if, I'll be here ready and willing to go. And, and, and that just, that simple act of just kind of submitting myself in that season shifted everything for me. Like I stopped seeing all the negative stuff. It's not that they dis- those things dis- necessarily disappeared, but God began to open up a whole new realm of what he was doing. And there's so many great things that God is doing in this church. And so look, I, I really want to thank just that Catherine and Gideon for um, believing in me as a person, for loving me, even though like I thought differently. And I, I just really want to honor them and say, um, it's, it is a real privilege. Like what you're seeing is dreams unfold before your eyes. Like it's been my dream to preach and here it is now, it's coming to life. I want to say that harmony is a place where your dreams can come true. They start to manifest, they start to burst forth. All right, because that's what God has for us. So um, yeah, we just acknowledge you, Catherine, get in and we say we love you and we bless you. I had text messages from them this morning and uh that's super encouraging to me. So look, this is a powerful time in the life of our church. You know, like we're being very intentional at the moment. We're doing Kylo um, and we're, that's leading up into church camp. And uh, for me, like what it looks like to be able to participate in a church community, uh, look, I have to understand who he is and then who I am from that. And that helps me to kind of be able to love myself so that I can love the people around me. Is that cool? So uh, I'm going to go through and share what I have this morning. But um, I preached a little bit about my background on the Sunday night. When I, so if you want to go back and take a look at that, you can. Um, but for me, my journey started when I was about 20. Uh, and God just kind of broke into my life. Um, and I became a Christian. And I was super excited about Jesus. You know, like I would listen to a lot of teaching. And I, I, was, I was just so hungry. Um, the only problem was that a lot of the teaching that I was listening to was quite condemning and judgmental. Uh, it was full of do more, try harder, uh, be holier, pray more. And it left me with the feeling that I just really didn't measure up. And no matter how much I did for God, like I always had this underlying thought that like I was just this failure, you know? And... What, the, what this does is just set me on a course of having to work harder and harder, trying to please a God who I thought was just kind of waiting for me to mess up and just punish me. And, and, and I worked, man. Like, we did evangelism, church, prayer, discipleship, giving, leadership. We got out on the streets. We we're sharing the good slash bad news with people, right? You know, and, and but just I just remember begging God to show up, begging God to show up. Man, it was tough, you know? telling others, unless they got on fire for Jesus, they were going to get in trouble. You know, I, I thought the entire church was wrong and I was right. And that was part of my problem, right? Like I was super opinionated about these things. I thought what we needed was more of a hammer to bring people into line through fear, right? That's what I thought. Because that was how God was to me. I thought that we needed to preach more law, hell, fear and wrath. 
You know, and for me, like, I was unintendedly living out Matthew 23, 15. Some of you interns have heard this, but, you know, who knows Matthew 23, 15? Hey, woe to you, Pharisee, who with effort make a disciple, only to make him twice the son of the devil as yourself. You know? Come on, man. Like, this is not who I am now because God broke into my darkness. Right? Like, I was good at placing on burdens on people that God wasn't putting on them because that's what God had done. I felt like God was doing to me. On the inside, I really didn't like myself. My self-talk was mostly negative. My go-to phrase was like, hey, Andrew, you're such an idiot. You know, like in my job, like I was, I just remember messing up. I was, and, and I just think, this is what would go in my head. Andrew, you're such an idiot. I mess up in my family. Andrew, you're such an idiot. Like I just have this on repeat, like a merry-go-round. It was just going round and round in my heart and in my head. But thank God Jesus intervened. And I heard a simple message on the love of God. And I, what it did was it began to undo all the damage, all those lies that I was believing about myself. And I listened to that every day for about two years. I listened, and it was Rob Rufus. He gave a simple message on the grace of God. He outlined what the law was. He outlined what grace was. And he told me that I was loved by God. And I was inseparable from him. And I slowly began to understand more clearly the nature of God. I had so many questions and all these arguments would keep coming up in my mind against his unconditional love. But do you know that God is very patient and he's very faithful and he stuck with me and it began to unlock the love of the Father in me. And that word that those people prophesied over me, that I would preach the love of God and he would be there with me. Uh, Can we get the first scripture up, John 1? I want to talk about God is love. God is love. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It didn't understand it. You know, like John's Gospel is an incredible piece of literature, it definitely stands out on its own as being very different from all the other gospel accounts. Uh, most of it is completely original. Some say up to 90% is original from the other Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, and by all accounts, it was written much later in the piece, right? Some say about 70 AD. And, and what this means is John had a, a, a good understanding of the early church, right? And so some say he was writing to fill in some of the gaps that were kind of left open by those early teachings, like what was lacking in the church. Um, the authorship in John is not actually stated, but it's widely received that John wrote this book, okay? From the early accounts right through to now, it's, it's John wrote this book. And there are certain clues in the, in the book that kind of give it away, you know? It says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, you know? That's what he calls himself. It's kind of like Moses when he said, I am, you know, the, I am the most humble man on the face of the earth, right? It's kind of, it can come across as a little bit proud, but... Uh, <laughs> but, but I tell you that John had seen something in Jesus that was a continual source of life for him, right? And so for him, like him saying that I am the disciple whom God, Jesus loved was not a proud statement, but I tell you it was an act of worship. Like he couldn't deny it. He saw himself as that and he declared it, right? He was dearly loved. I mean, the real joy of John's gospel was his insight into those deep spiritual realities, you know, that had become available to us through Jesus. 
Uh, John, and, and, and just lastly, John's ultimate purpose in writing this, his gospel was just universally accepted as, can we get John twenty thirty one? These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Like, why was it written? Why, why did John write this? Why does it say here? So that we can believe. Like, why was it important to John that we believe? It says here, so we could have life in his name. Right? I want to say, in the beginning was the Word, and that Word was with God, and the Word was God. John starts his gospel way, way back. Before all the other gospels start referencing the life of Jesus, John goes right back into the origins of the, of the universe, of the cosmos, right? That's where he begins. And I want to say to you that in the beginning was the word, that the, the word here means logos, right? So logos is the Greek word. It means speech or expression, right? He is the, ex- so Jesus is the expression of the divine nature of God. It is the nature of God fleshed out, okay? The word God here, means theos, which is just, it's a, it's a masculine noun, and it means the divinity of God. So we can see that as the Father. And the, and the word with here is really important too. It means pros, all right? Pros. It's translated, which means, it, inf- it means turned toward, right? It infers a direction and a, like a close proximity. That in the beginning was logos, and Logos was pros with Theos. And Logos was Theos. Okay, that's really crazy and it's hard to understand. But Andrew's version sounds like this. Je- Jesus' affection was turned in the direction of the Father, right? And the Father being so very close to the Son, so that they were turned toward one another. So that if you were to look at them, they would look as if they were one. That's my version. The father and son were face to face. They had heart to heart connection. Like they kept their love on. And this is what we're doing. Hey, Kylo. They'd obviously been watching the Danny Silk DVDs, right? (laughs) And they've been putting it into practice. They were turned toward one another in love. And I tell you that there is no love except love expresses itself to something else, right? And that is the nature of God. And it's really important that we understand like whose we are. This is God. John says that this is what the light is. It's this other giving unselfish love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life is the light of men. There was something very different about Jesus. You know, like He had authority, right? Like he lived with this unbroken divine connection to Father. Like he was, he was kind and he was strong. And this is what we, the people around him began to see. Like he wasn't afraid. Like and after his immersion in the Holy Spirit, he just began to release life wherever he went. Like this morning, like the people getting healed, he released life. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. Like he demonstrated his authority over the created realm. He spoke of his father in a way that was just so different. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He said, actually, me and my father are one person. 
So when he, when he said, I am, when the, when the Roman guards came to take him away, the 500 Roman soldiers fell down. He, he claimed to be God and he claimed to be God's son and have un, undivided connection with him. And the religious leaders just did not understand him. They didn't get it. Like, what, what happened to Nicodemus? He was the leader of all the religious leaders, right? And he came, when did, when did he come to Jesus? At night, in the darkness. And he's like, who are you? I don't understand who you are. Where did you come from? What are you doing? Right? Isn't that just a picture of us? We come to Jesus sometimes in darkness and we don't understand who he is. But this is the light that they enjoyed. A son connected to the Father and immersed in the Holy Spirit and living that out in a broken world, in a world of darkness. And it says that in him was life. And that life is the light of men. Like we often project this image of the Father that is so distant and unconcerned. Like that's me. Like that's what I was doing. I'd done that for so long. He was inaccessible and removed. If God does want to get involved, it's, you know, he's slightly mad. You know, he's, he's a little bit angry at me and he's kind of going to bring some correction. He's going to take me out to the woodshed and give me a bit of a spanking and tell me off for some of the things I've been doing wrong. Okay. But I tell you that Jesus was sent not only to reveal the thoughts of the Father, he was to demonstrate his nearness to us and to demonstrate that the Father is not like that at all. That he's not far away, but he's actually really, really close. Like he is good, he is generous, he is love. And he came to tear down all those obstacles, all those religious things that get in the way of us coming to him. He tore them down. God is close. In him was life and that life is the light of men. And I tell you that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness just did not understand it. It didn't comprehend it. So what is darkness? John wants you to understand that his understanding of darkness is our choice to be blind to our inclusion into the love of God. It's our blindness to it, to our inclusion into that love. You know, Joel Shaw got up last week and we all had to kind of stand around him and, you know, Jared, Janelle, and he stood in the middle at the night service and, and says, that's the Holy Spirit. The three of us joined together and we've been placed into the middle of that. Right? But the trouble is, is that we become blind to that. We were created for love and darkness is our separation from that. It's our understanding that we are alone. Left out, obscure and as orphans. You know, but the trouble is sometimes when we're out in that dark place, we get used to the dark. You know, we acclimatize to it. You know, we, we tend, we, when we're in that place of being separated from God, we make friends with our demons and justify our corruption. Right? Like the problem being that we end up loving the darkness rather than the light because our deeds are evil. Because of what we do. We don't want to come to the light lest we begin to feel those awful feelings, right? Of shame and regret. These feelings that we push way, way down and then we begin to drown them in alcohol and drugs and medication, shopping, pornography, gaming, social media. You know, uh, I've got a quote here from Jack Frost. And uh, he, he, he begins to describe that the orphan believes he does not have a safe and secure place in the father's heart. There is no place of affirmation, no place of protection, comfort, belonging or affection. They become self-orientated, lonely 
and inwardly isolated. He, and the orphan believes he has no inheritance. Therefore, he has to strive, achieve, compete, and earn everything he gets in life. And it leads to a life full of anxiety, fear, and frustration. For so long, that was me. Like, having been invited into this life-giving relationship with God, but choosing to live in a, in a mixture of light and darkness. When Jesus came, he revealed the love of God. And he said, I will not leave you as orphans. Like, we, we need to repent. What does that mean? We need to come back to the highest place. We need to go back to the penthouse. We need to come back to the original perspective, which is Jesus Christ, right? We need to come back to the highest place and accept His love and allow ourselves to be forgiven and receive His brand new life. Yeah. Yeah. To choose to turn away from the darkness and embrace the love of God, right? Yeah. Well. Um, I want to tell you, the good news news is that Jesus just doesn't stand idly by and kind of yell at us from heaven to get back on track, does he? He says, hey, you, you over there, you're going the wrong way. Now I tell you that in verse 14, John says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Like he did something about it, right? He took responsibility for his side of the relationship. That's, that's a Kylo. Did I, I got it. I got it in there. He took responsibility for his side of the relationship, right? Uh, I, I just remember a time in my life when I just lost all hope. You know, like uh, things in my life were not going as I planned. I had all these God dreams, but none of them were coming true. They all seemed as though they were flushed down the toilet. And I had no way of seeing into the future. And like all my friends were doing really cool things for God, BSSM, missions, Whatever, whatever that looked like for me, Bible college. And like all I was doing was working shift work in a factory, right? And like that was just super not cool. This is, I was super ambitious in my work and like this is not how I saw myself, right? And as I was pondering my disappointment, like I was in my work, right? So this is not church. This is not in the prayer meeting. This is, I was at work going over my disappointment and Jesus popped up in the middle of my thoughts and began to speak to me. He's like, hey, Andrew, like, why don't you come and sign up for my school? And I'm like, oh. And then he goes, I'll be your teacher. And you know what? That changed everything for me. Disappointment just fell to the ground. Competition, comparison, all of that stuff began to disappear out of my life. And God spoke to me. Do you know what it says in 1 John 2? 27, <clears throat> it says, uh, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone should teach you, but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. He wanted to be my rabbi. He wanted to be my teacher. I had to sign up for his school. In a moment when I was engaging with the spirit of fear, I was engaging in my disappointment, Jesus was actually right there in the middle of it. Right? And he had something he wanted to say to me. Like he finds a way to get on the inside of our darkness. Right? Inside of our hopelessness, inside of our disappointments, like basically all of our mess, he's on the inside of it. 
and He became flesh. He stepped down. He gave up any hold He had on His glory and became like us. He made His way into the darkness so that He could turn on the lights. Didn't He? (laughs) Then He says, hey, look, I'm not just going to turn on the lights. Like I'm going to come and I'm going to bring my Father and the Holy Spirit with me. Jesus willingly entered our mess. I want to say to you that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not always understand it. What did Jesus cry out on the cross? I'm looking for a specific word here, but my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this always puzzled me. I'm like, and this is what I always used to think, that the, the, the Father forsook the Son in that moment when all the sin of the world was placed upon Him. The, the Father couldn't look upon the sinfulness of Jesus. And so he, he kindly departed, right, and looked away. Where, where else in the Bible is this mentioned? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Close, Psalm 22. This is what I'm going for, right? So Psalm 22 is one of the most amazing Messianic Psalms in the Bible. Uh, if you haven't read it, you should. Uh, it goes through and it begins to explain uh, like what Jesus was going through on the cross, like I don't know how many thousand years before he actually went there. But it says in Psalm 22, uh, to the chief musician, set to the dear of the dawn music. All right, this is a bit crazy. Uh, my God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. You know, and it goes on. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but it says that I'm a reproach to men. I'm despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out their lip. They shake their head. They're saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength, it's all dried up. My tongue, it clings to my jaws. They pierce my hands and my feet. And then it goes on to say that in verse 24, we can obviously tell this is Jesus. For verse 24 it says, For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. And if you were a good Jew, you would know this off by heart, a psalm, right? So that when Jesus said the first lines, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you're around him, you begin to recite that whole thing in your head and you begin to recount it and you're going, OMG, this is that. He is the Messiah. Nor has he hidden his face. But when he cried, he heard. He was face to face. He was right there. And we can see very plainly that the Father obviously had not turned away from Jesus as the sin of the world was imputed onto him. But I tell you that even Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.19, that is that God the Father was actually in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That he wasn't far. He was so close. So what the heck was happening for Jesus to say that if the Father never once took his gaze away from the Son? as he was dying on that cross? The answer is, Jesus willingly submitted himself to the Father so he could enter your darkness. He submitted himself to experience what it was like to believe that the Father has left us alone as orphans. Right? He, he wanted to come into your experience of that, 
that the Father has left me alone and I'm here all by myself. He found a way to get on the inside of your unbelief and he cried to God. He said, God, why? I want to ask you a question like, did Jesus deserve the death penalty to be nailed to a cross? Then who did? What cross did Jesus die on? Ours. Like he stepped into our place and he cried out as you, that even when you didn't have the strength or the words, like he cried out. As he was stretched between heaven and earth, like he cried out on your behalf. And it says that the father heard his cry, right? He, he heard that cry. And at the end of that psalm, it says, he has done this. Jesus finished the work, right? I tell you that God does not do abandonment, does he? Like we are made just like him. We are created for face-to-face. I I tell you that the the Trinity was in Christ reconciling themselves to the world. They willingly let themselves be sacrificed so that they could get on the inside, right? Into that dark place. So that they could turn the lights on. Because that's what it's all about. It's about turning the lights on and us being able to see. That's what it's about. John, let's go to John 17. John 17 verse 20. I'll tell you that John 17 is one of the most amazing passages in all of Scripture. It is, it is, there's so much theology inside of this segment. Um, and it's, it's all about our inclusion into the Father and the Son, that relationship. And it was John 17 is Jesus' last prayer that he was agonizing over before he went to the cross. So this is what, this is, as he was going to be like led into this place, this is what he was crying out in his heart. John 17, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Here's the the stinger. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, and that they, right, that's us, may also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me that I have given them that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that they may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus just doesn't ask us to see God in a new way. He doesn't yell at us, hey, you, you're not seeing things clearly, like see clearly. Like he gives us his eyes, Right? He says, here, I see your blindness. Take my eyes. I want you to see things from my perspective. You can't hear God? Here, take my ears. I want to tell you that the Father has lots of really great things He wants to say to you. Hear what He's saying to me. And that's how we enjoy the Father is through His Son. Like, what does He see? When we come into Christ, what does Jesus see? He sees logos, pros, theos. He sees the Father turn toward the Son. He sees the Father right there in connection. Like we get to experience the Father's love through Jesus, don't we? Like He has included us into His life. Like we get to experience the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit through them. And He wants you to know what it is like to live face to face with Him and to experience the anointing of the Holy Spirit, His anointing of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to experience Holy Spirit. 
If the father were to say something to you, what would he say? What would he say? 100%. You know, there's a real call for us to live in harmony with that word, isn't there? To live in harmony with with what God is saying. This is not a now word. This is like the forever word that God is always speaking, right? You know, and I asked him for just, what is he saying to us as Harmony Church? And he, he just said, like, he's so proud of you. He's so proud of your courage, Harmony Church. You know, you pursued grace when it was uncool. Like the Bereans, you dove into the word and you, and you began to discover this for yourself. Because it is the truth despite what others have said. His finished work is the only foundation. It's the only foundation that can handle the glory of God. And we've all heard of the stories of the glory of God, the kabod, weighty glory. And it can't be placed on any other foundation except for the finished work of Christ. This is a house where fear is not welcome. This is a family that, where fear is not welcome. Rejection is not part of what God is doing here. That accusing, lying spirit has no jurisdiction in this place. This is a house where the Father's love embraces us. He, having purposed in his heart that we should be adopted as sons and daughters. This is a house where we gather together and the spirit of worship washes over us. Right? Affirming our unbreakable, unbroken connection to him. Not that we're holding on to him, but he has taken a hold of us. God does not do abandonment. We were created for face-to-face and heart-to-heart. And God wants this house to be a place of powerful agreement. He is asking us to go on a brave journey to discover what it is to be loved by God and to love others. Can I get the worship team up, please? How are we doing? I want to tell you that identity matters. It matters who he says he is. It matters who he says I am. And it matters who I say that I am. Just like John, I too am the disciple that Jesus loved. I I remember a while back going through a really rough time. Uh, Actually, we just had the Grace and Glory conference and Robert came and spoke in and uh, my dad had also just passed away and it was a really hard time. I just remember um, being at work and it was like this presence was following me and uh, I just knew it was God and he just wanted to talk to me. Sorry. Yeah, so anyway, I, I, I just remember this thing. I just really want to talk to me. And, and then, and then I, I left work on the, on the, as soon as I could get out, I left and I went for a walk. And as soon as I got out of my car, I went down to the river and I went for a walk. I got out and this person just kind of manifested beside me. I, it wasn't real, but like it was spiritual. And it was the Father. Just turned up. Oh, trying to hold it together. And he said, Andrew, like I love you. What? I love you. See, you're my son. 
and, and here's all the awesome things about you. And I'm with you. And I just began to cry. I tell you that whenever the Father turns up, He breaks down every single wall because He's actually on the inside of us. And my tears began to flow and His love began to pour out on me. Something shifted that day. And He was asking me to go on a journey of what it was to be loved by God. Right? That's the first thing we need to do as Christians is to receive. God, will you receive my love? Like I realise now that I was accountable to that encounter and it wasn't any good anymore for me to be partnering with my negative self-talk. All the things that I was saying about myself, that merry-go-round that was going around on the inside of me had to be stopped. And I was now accountable to this love that was now being poured out in the inside of me. I had to allow myself to be loved. And that's what it is to come into harmony with what God is saying. And that's what this place is about. And this is what He wants for you. That, he, that you would come into harmony with what He's saying over you. We need to accept the unconditional love of God. This is what we need to fight for. Our warfare is exercising our faith. Our warfare is not shouting and screaming at demons or principalities, right? It's standing in the identity that God has given us. You will be attacked more in this than anything else. It's about exercising our faith. This is what He wants.